You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. My name's Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here. Uh, welcome to North Valley. We love being here with you. Thanks for making time on this Sunday morning. We're going to have a great morning this morning. We're in the book of Acts, so if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up in Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be. This morning, we're going to be talking about God's compassion and then your compassion, my compassion. So let's all say that together, God's compassion and my compassion. It's really important. What is compassion? Compassion is this. It's a human disposition that leads to acts of service and kindness. And really, the book of Acts is the storyline of the early church and them moving forward to declare and to demonstrate the righteousness of God through the personal work of Jesus Christ. The, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has happened, and now the early church is taking off. And no greater time for us at North Valley Community Church, this September we'll be celebrating four years to look at the book of Acts and see what it looks like for the early church to gather for worship, grow in community together, and then to go out and share the love of Jesus Christ uh, to the community and to the world around them. So compassion is this incredible thing that you've got to have in your Christian life, and we're going to see the Apostle Peter living this out really clearly. But even beyond Peter, we're going to look and we're going to see God himself declaring and demonstrating the compassion of his love for his people. So this morning, if you came here with a heavy heart, be refreshed, be renewed in the name of Jesus. If you came here today and you've got hurt and you're wondering how you can experience compassion, we're singing, we're telling you about the God of compassion. And this morning too, you know a lot of people that need compassion and you're going to be that vessel of compassion to people around you. Compassion, it's a human disposition. Non-believers can be compassionate just as well as believers can. But look what it says. It is often aroused when we see people who are hurting or in need. Christian compassion is even more powerful. Why is it more powerful? Because it's infused into the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's all say that together. By the power of the Holy Spirit. When you decide in faith, you will demonstrate, you will show compassion. The Holy Spirit himself begins to infuse you with a new level of power, empowering you to show that compassion and that love. Why? Because the world is one to Christ by the witness and the testimony of other believers simply sharing what they've seen God do and declaring and demonstrating who God is. And so, Christian compassion is so powerful, and it's an extraordinary acts of service and kindness to share and show the love of Christ. But here's the reality. You know, uh, we say this a lot of times, like the church is like a hospital. It's for hurting people. You know, it, it's, a, it's not only a hospital, it's a training center for believers to grow in their faith. It's not only a training center, it's a light to the community and to the world around us. But let's back up real quick. Compassion who needs compassion the most are those that are hurting, right? So here, here's the deal. Churches, oftentimes, uh, they just don't communicate what they want to say. If you're like me, your, your foot goes in your mouth oftentimes when you're communicating, and, and you say things you don't mean to say, and you fail to demonstrate compassion. I uh, did some, some look on the, online to see some church signs recently that are trying to show their compassion. Check this out. 
Here's Calvary Temple Church. We love hurting people. You're like, why are you picking on Calvary? Well, let's look at the Methodists. We love hurting people. And then so on. The Episcopals, we love hurting people. Um, don't we sometimes stick our foot in our mouths and when we are demanded of demonstrating compassion, we fail tremendously? See, Jesus had a heart of compassion. It says in the Bible in Matthew 9.36, as we get going this morning, let's look at Jesus. He says, he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd and he cares for the sheep. And early on in his ministry, he declares he's looking for the lost sheep. Some of you are like lost sheep. You've been wandering a long time. And you're in great need of compassion. And the most compassionate person in the world is Jesus Christ. And he's the chief shepherd and he's tender. And he raises you up, not just in tenderness, but in toughness too. And he calls you to be a shepherd, not only a sheep, but a shepherd. And that's exactly what we're going to see that he does with Peter. And and throughout the New Testament, we see that, that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, right? And then he turns around, and then when Peter denies him, Peter fails to demonstrate compassion and love towards Christ later in his ministry. He betrays him, denies him three times, and then Jesus shows back up after his death, burial, and resurrection and says, Peter, I want you to be a shepherd. Peter, would you take care of my sheep? The church, the people, the believers, would you take care of people? Would you be compassionate? And so this morning, I tell you that really three kinds of people in life, and you've got to decide what you want to be, a sheep, a shepherd, or a wolf. Wolves are those that come into the midst of a church and they seek to destroy it on accident. They don't even intend to most of the time. In Acts chapter 20, we're going to find out later that the wolves come in and they destroy and they scatter the sheep, and it's the shepherd's job to stand strong, tender, yet tough, and protect the sheep. And it's with loving compassion that this needs to happen. Here's the big point that you're going to get out of today's message is compassion equals action. Let's say that together. Compassion equals action. So it is imperative that you get that. Our greatest model, the paragon perfection of compassion in action is Jesus Christ. So here's what, let's, let's do this. We're going to look together in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. And I'm going to teach you how to live with compassion that's in action by following the footsteps of Peter, a great shepherd whom Jesus said, this is your call, this is your, your, your role to play, is to be a shepherd. And so we're going to learn from the compassionate Peter, the, the shepherd, the under-shepherd of Christ. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they'd laid daily at the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him and as did John, and said, hey, look at us. 
And he fixed his attention on them and expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong and leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking. They were praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, be at work. We love you. We need you. God, while we're far off from you, you come to us in great compassion. You minister to us, and you ask to minister through us. And this morning, all of in our hearts, Lord, we're going to say yes. Yes, Lord. We want more of you in our lives. Yes, God, we know that we need to give more compassion. And yes, Lord, we are ready to experience more of your compassion. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, how are we going to demonstrate this compassion? You need to slow down and you need to listen up. That is so important. We're going to see that in the life of Peter and John. They actually slow down and they listen up. I want to tell you a story. Last week, I went out to lunch with some guys and we were talking about youth ministry and I was sitting there and I had an agenda. I'm the kind of guy who likes to make a to-do list the night before the day starts. Okay, and then I want to check that to-do list to see if I actually did it. And I always, everywhere I go, I'm thinking of the next thing on my to-do list. So I walk into this meeting, and I'm going to tell you this, I don't slow down, and I don't listen up. Somebody says, hey, you know, I said, how'd you get here? And he says, well, I moved to Arizona, take care of my grandfather, and uh, he recently passed away. And the whole purpose of this guy coming Arizona was take care of his grandpa. What an honorable ambition. My grandpa's 93 back in Dallas. And during my time in Dallas Seminary, I would take time sometimes to be a little more compassionate. Wish I was, could say I was the most compassionate person in the world. But I'd go over and I'd sit on his front porch, slow down and listen up. Drink coffee and talk to him about what's going on in his life. Well, on this day, I didn't do that. This guy shared about his losing his grandpa and some next steps in life, and he wanted to plug in and serve his life away in ministry. And I didn't, you would think as a good pastor, right, I would slow down. But I said, oh, man, okay, great. And I was like, next? Next guy goes and shares, and next guy goes and shares, and next guy goes and shares. Why? Why didn't I slow down? Why didn't I listen up? Because I had an agenda. I had a task. Was my heart dark? I wasn't that I was malicious intent. It's just that I wasn't ready to slow down and listen up. I walked out of that meeting and I told Meredith, I said, oh my gosh, did you realize in the meeting that I totally forgot to slow down and listen to that guy who shared a story? And she said, yeah, I noticed. I mean, who wouldn't, right? So I said, let me get that guy's number. Give me his number. And I called him up and I said, hey man, I want you to know I'm really sorry. I missed a great opportunity to pray for you and to say thank you for being compassionate. Thank you for loving on, on people. 
And uh, he said, thank you so much for calling me. Thank you so much for stopping and taking the time now, at least, to say that. Here's the deal. We look at the life of Peter and John. These guys are awesome. These guys are good friends. They had a business together, and they were pretty profitable. Had a fishing business centered out of Capernaum. And they had brothers that were in the business. They were friends together. They listened to this strange guy named John the Baptist preaching about a Messiah. They find out about Jesus, and they go all in. And they, they kind of come to faith together. Like they have a friend, and then they come to faith, and then they bring more of their family, and they're all in. And Jesus talked about always doing ministry in the moment, and he exemplified perfect compassion, slowing down and ministering to people. And it says this, look in your Bible, verse 3, 1. Now Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. These guys like to pray together. This would have been about 3 p.m. The day starts in the Jewish calendar at 6 a.m. It was the ninth hour. Here's what you need to know. These guys help each other out. You're going to see that they're going to minister to this guy, and they're going to help each other out. See, they had witnessed. They had been friends together. They helped each other trust in Jesus, live with Jesus. They witnessed Jairus' daughter being raised. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane together. They were there at the Transfiguration. Jesus called for their support to pray. They fished together. They worked together. They even, once Jesus was crucified, buried, and put into the tomb, they ran to the tomb together. They were friends. Bible tells us that Peter was slower and John was faster at running. They were competitive, and they helped each other out. If you're going to be a compassionate person, you're going to have to slow down, listen up, but you need to help each other out. Tell each other, hey, slow down, and don't use ADD as an excuse. (laughs) I think Ian laughed loud because he just got called out. (laughs) Verse 2 And a man lame from birth. This guy was lame from the very beginning. He was being carried, whom they laid daily at the temple that is called the beautiful gate. This gate was so big, about 20 people it would take to open it. It was made out of bronze from Corinth. He would go there to ask for alms, a good location for a beggar, right before people get into church. Hey, Let's look, verse 3, seeing Peter and John, seeing Peter and John. Well, first of all, let me back up on verse 2. They slowed down enough to learn this guy's story. Uh, Luke, the historian, the doctor, writes and records that they heard this guy's story. They had seen this guy before, even though Peter and John are some pretty important guys in this early movement called the local church, they learned this guy's story. If you're going to be compassionate, you need to slow down and listen up. You need to help each other out, and you need to learn people's story. Hear what's going on with them. Verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. That's money. Why did he do that? I think it's because Peter had a yes face. 
It's interesting. Some people, you just look at them and you're like, you are a clear no. I'm a yes guy. My kids say, can we have sugar? Yes. Can we go to the park? Yes. Can we watch movies? Yes. My wife, on the other hand, she's a little bit more tempered. She's generally the no, I'm the yes. Here's the good news. If the yes was always in place, we, this family would be destroyed, okay? We balance each other out. Generally, there's a, a kind of a disposition on people towards a yes or a no. But when it comes to compassion, Leslie's one of the first to say yes. She went on a mission trip. She takes time out for the people that need help the most. Um, it's interesting. I, I heard a story about Thomas Jefferson during his presidency. He was, um, a, they were on horseback, and one of the rivers had flooded in, during the wintertime, and he's crossing the river, and a group of soldiers are all around them, and it was cold, and Jefferson is about to cross into the river, and literally these men and women are like barely trying to save their lives as they're crossing this river. True history story. And the story goes down where is one of these uh, people standing by said, excuse me, sir, could I ride on the horse with you to get across? And Jefferson says, yeah, sure. Gets on the horse, crosses. And then some of the soldiers say, hey, why, why did you pick the president to get on his horse? And the guy goes, well, oh, that's the president? I had, I had no clue. The guy says, well, why'd you choose him? And he said, well, all the rest of you had no on your face, and he's the only one who had yes. See, Peter and John were at such a position and a great love for God, I believe they understood the Imago Dei that was written into the Jewish the, the scholarly thinking and theology, was that everybody was made equal in God's image, even the lame even the blind, even the poor, even the most far out and rejected, they had yes on their face. If you're going to be compassionate, you're going to have to slow down and listen up. Number two, you look people in the eyes. So many times today we're afraid to look people in the eyes. The Bible teaches that the eyes are like a centerpiece for understanding who we are on the inside. God made you with eyes. Use your eyes. When you're to express compassion, you look people in the face, it gives an orientation. Peter's going to do this because he wants this guy to slow down and listen up. And what he's about to give this guy is far greater than anything he's ever received before. And he's going to direct that towards Christ. Verse 4, and, people, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Why did he say that? He said, focus Give me your attention. Eliminate every other distraction. I want to demonstrate the sovereign grace of God in your life right now. I'm going to give you something far greater than you've ever received. See, what Peter was about to do was not only give him something physically, but he was also showing him something spiritually. See, this guy was born lame, born handicapped, born sick. And I think there's a greater truth here that we're going to learn that the Bible says that every single one of us were born into sin and sickness. And it's through the gracious intervention of God, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, reaching out to us to help and to heal us. And so there's this, there's this story behind the story, God's compassion, and then we have to say our compassion, Peter's compassion. So Peter says, look at us. 
don't just get what I'm about to give you. I want you to look at me because he wants to give a, an incredible uh, memory maker in his life to direct him towards Christ. Verse five, and he, that's the lame man, fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something. This guy knew something was coming. He just wasn't sure what it was. I want to encourage you to live this out yourself. I want to encourage you to live out the reality that you need to demonstrate compassion. You need to slow down and you need to listen up. You need to look for the people right where you're going, as you're going. Peter and John, they didn't craft out this incredible strategic initiative to launch compassion. They just were going to the temple. That was their routine. That was their habit. So let me encourage you in this. While you go where you go, wherever you go, would you just slow down and listen up? Would you look for the people around you that need help? Here are the people at North Valley that need your help. We need each other's help. The sick. There are people here that are physically sick. They are facing crisis of physical health. Some here are mentally uh, ill and they need help. They need the kindness not only of the Savior, they need the kindness of the church, amen? There are people here that are suffering emotionally and physically. And we all go through these hard times and we must as a church slow down and listen up. People that are suffering emotionally or physically, there's people that are hurting relationally, have gone through divorce or have gone through breakups or gone through rejection or have gone through separation or loss. There are elderly here that feel alone. There are young moms here that are often isolated and feel disengaged or overwhelmed at trying to figure out this thing called motherhood. There's single moms worried how things are going to make it, worried how their, their son or their daughter is going to be raised in a world without the loving kindness of a dad. There are people in this, many people in this church as well that are fostering and doing adoption. And they feel tired. They feel weary. So what is our response? My encouragement to you is remember, oh, you are a sheep in need of a compassionate shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, and the care of pastoral leaders and neighborhood group leaders. But remember this, you are a shepherd. You tend to people that need your help. You are empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have good wisdom and knowledge given to you by God and his word and the people of God. So how do we do this? Number three, we need to do ministry in the moment. You need to stop what you're doing in the middle of your day going about and just slow down. I call it ministry in the moment. Verse 6, Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do give to you, I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Jesus did something, uh, uh, Peter did something pretty spectacular. Here's what he did. Number one, he shared the love of Jesus Christ. He actually talks about Jesus Christ. He doesn't just do the healing. He actually talks about the very healing, the physical help that he's about to demonstrate is done in the authority and the source of Jesus Christ. 
we weave this phrase into our very purpose statement as a church. And by the way, the purpose statement is not for the pastors and the elders simply to live out. It's for us. It's every single believer in Jesus Christ. The last part of our purpose statement is that we go out to share and to show the love of Jesus Christ to the people around us. And that's exactly what we see Peter do in ministry in the moment. When we do neighborhood groups, in my neighborhood groups, oftentimes I get a little bit more calculated towards compassion, thank God. Okay, I, I, I plan, slow down. I plan, listen up. These guys don't have to plan for it. They just, their automatic routine is that. Why? Because, oh, did they not have the greatest ministry model, Jesus Christ? So we have the Holy Spirit, but we've got to slow down and listen up to even him speaking to us. So in neighborhood groups from time to time, when somebody shares something, I just say, stop. Let's just stop what's going on. Thank you for sharing. Can we pray for you right now? And it's generally in those moments that shape the entire semester. Ministry in the moment. The kingdom of God breaks forth in a moment oftentimes. Great advancements are made emotionally, spiritually, and physically, even in those moments. Secondly, we're going to see that Peter shows the love of Jesus Christ, but this is as he's going. He's going somewhere. How does he show the love of Jesus Christ? By the power and the authority given to him by Christ to demonstrate the power of God. It was like fuel pouring out on the early church in miraculous signs and wonders to authenticate the power and the magnitude of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. And they're working with some of the most um, staunch, calloused, gnarled, mentally, emotionally, spiritually people rejecting Jesus Christ as Messiah. And so God in his love and his kindness pours out an extra measure of power to demonstrate the power of God. And Peter shows the love of Christ. So know this, our faith is more than just declaring, but it's also demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ. It's sharing and showing the love of Christ. Jesus said this, but don't, no procrastination, no backwards looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow, seize the day. That's a paraphrase. You got to go for it. Jesus taught it. Peter, he caught it. The Pharisees failed it and John nailed it. Jesus caught it, Peter caught it, Pharisees failed it, John nailed it. Here's the point. Compassion without action is not even Christian. Here's what John said. John was Peter's best friend. John was a part of the close three. Peter, James, and John. Jesus' inner circle. Here's what John said. Hey, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, he asked a fair question. How can God's love be in that person? Here's the point. Compassion without action is not Christian. You can't have the love of God if you can't even recognize that your lack of action is present. Your lack of action ought to appall you and bother you. If you fail to be compassionate towards your spouse, you repent. You turn from your sin and you say, God, 
That's not the way I want to act. Give me compassion. Compassion that you have, give it to me. And God's faithful and promises to let that flow into your life. But you can damn it up by not doing anything. You can damn it up by not doing one single thing, being inactive. It's the sin of uh, omission. You're not doing anything. To be compassionate is to be Christian. Number four, how do we live with compassion in action? We need to give a hand up and not simply a hand out. Look what Peter does. Peter said, I have no silver and gold. See, this guy wanted some money. He needed some money. But Peter says, you need something far greater than money. He says, but what I do have, I give to you the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Verse seven, and he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. The result, what's the result? What happened? And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now this guy doesn't have to sit there on the outside of the temple. He can go in and he can worship with the rest of them. See, what we see with Peter is he gets it. We can't just give a hand out. We need to give people a hand up. That's the point of this whole series is that you understand that you're empowered by God to not only that you can walk and live in a more productive and abundant life, but you can bring people along, not by your power, but by God's power. And that you're empowered to help other people. So how does North Valley help with out hurting? How do we help give people a hand up and not simply a hand out? And that kind of phrase and thinking is a missiological perspective, meaning it's how people that love missions contemplate how they move into a country and share and show the love of Jesus Christ in a way that's going to genuinely help them but not hurt them. It's how do you move into a culture? How do you move into a community and help people, not just giving them handouts or freebies, but really doing something smart and intelligent that's gonna help them become productive and made in the image of God, living a Christ-centered life, being able to be completely dependent upon God and not needing to depend on somebody else. Amen? You're like, you just said a lot right there. Let me illustrate that. So when Haiti went through this incredible uh, hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes and all the things that were going on years ago, the church responded with great compassion, just misplaced. And they gave a hand out, not a hand up. So the churches all in America said, well, let's give them rice. Let's give them rice. And they had rice drives all around America. And they shipped in millions and millions of pounds of rice, little to find out that thousands and thousands of children ended up dying from their stomachs exploding with rice. That's when helping hurts. So what do we do? How do we respond? Here's how we do it. We've got to, at North Valley, we partner with specialists. Okay, we are not the one shop stop, we got every solution for you. We know there's gifted counselors that can do better counseling than I can do. And those of you that visited me said, praise the Lord, hallelujah. We know that there's more gifted people uh, in areas of 
rehabilitation, recovery, addictions, hurts, habits, hangups, all that. We want to partner with those ministries. We can't do it all. What do we do at North Valley? How do we help without hurting? We realize that God's got a great big world and a bunch of gifted people, and the church isn't the solution for every single problem. You've got to partner with specialists. So if you're in need of counseling or you're going through depression or you've been diagnosed with a mental illness, you need to be in good form here and be expectant that we're going to care for you, love you, teach God's word faithfully to you, but encourage you to take steps forward and say, hey, share with your neighborhood group leader, share with a pastor if you want to, but we want to partner with specialists. If you're going through uh, recovery and alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be the case, and you're like, man, I, I, I need help, step out in faith and get help. If you need help finding a specialist, we'll help you do that. Here at North Valley, we care for the whole person emotionally, spiritually, and physically. This is exactly what Peter did. I'm not only going to give you the spiritual answer here, young man, he said, I'll give you a physical solution too. I'm not only going to heal your legs, I'm going to heal your heart. You've been far from God, raise up. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Good churches care about the whole person emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Here at North Valley, what's our game plan? We're going to stick to our game plan. The game plan for North Valley is we gather people to worship Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. God's word. That's what we do. That's what you got to help us do. I told you last week, my job is to preach and teach God's word. Your job is to be a witness. And what is a witness? Simply sharing what we've seen God do. Let's say that together. Simply sharing what we've seen God do. That's your job. You can help gather people to worship Jesus by simply sharing what you've seen God do. That's your job. I do that too. But my big job is to teach You look at the time allocation of my life and what I'm doing in a work week, it's dedicated predominantly to help you know Jesus Christ through the teaching and the preaching of his word. So we all need to gather people to worship Jesus. We grow in neighborhood groups. We grow through the classes. These neighborhood groups are vital. The people that attend neighborhood groups are the most compassionate. The people that are part of the neighborhood groups are the ones that are the ideal models for compassion. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. We go into ministry and missions. And we saw that in, uh, just in this last week or two when we've seen uh, missionary teams going out and you guys signing up for ministry and missions. It's been incredible. Here's what we're going to see. Number five. We need to realize that the community is always watching the church. Verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Let's say that together. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. What did that lame guy do that just got healed? He was simply sharing what he's seen God do. He was automatically a witness. At the point of your conversion you're a witness. You can be an evangelist. The Bible doesn't have a long list of qualifications for people that go out and share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Here's your qualification. Know Jesus. See what God's doing in your life. And you've got a vital role to play. The community is watching. 
So speak up. Say something. Share. Verse 10. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms as they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. Here's the great news is that God had been at work in this guy's life just like maybe he's in your life, working in your life in an incredible way. You know, he, bought, he was brought to this, what the Bible says is this beautiful spot. And maybe today you're like that lame guy. Maybe you're here and you're not sure if you're a believer in Jesus. But God's brought you to this beautiful place. And you were sick from birth and you know it. There's a hole in your heart. And you're looking for healing and help. And then here I am today, and I'm saying, look at me. Look at me. In the name of Jesus Christ, God wants to heal you. God wants to heal your heart. He wants to restore you emotionally and spiritually and physically. And so today, I want to encourage you, as we move forward, is simply pray with me a prayer of salvation. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for those that are here today and they know they've been brought to a beautiful place in life. They know that they're not here by accident, but they know something's wrong on the inside. And God, I invite them to pray with me today to start a relationship with you, the great good shepherd, the compassionate shepherd. So we pray. Pray with me something quiet and silent like this. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask that you heal my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I want to be made whole. I want to be born again. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, I believe this and say this. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that today, here's my encouragement to you is that you take your next step and you tell somebody that you came with, somebody that invited you here. And if you came because you just saw a sign or you just did a Google search and you found us and you're here alone, come talk to me or come talk to one, somebody else, a pastor. I'll be outside right after the service. And for the rest of you guys that are believers, and that's 99% of you guys, is this. You are called to action. You are called to demonstrate your compassion. And this church is getting it, but we've got to increase it. We can't slow down and we can't let up. And one of the things that we can do from time to time is when we see compassion being demonstrated, we can celebrate it. Amen? Check out this video of folks that have been engaged in neighborhoods going out to share and show the love of Christ to the Dominican Republic and demonstrating compassion. So loudly, oh, 
All right. So here's what I want. I want all of you guys to go on a mission trip, 100% of you. You're thinking, yeah, right. Well, here's what I can do. I can encourage you to do this, is to plan now. Clear your calendar. Here's the take-home. Clear your calendar for compassion. And because the people that go on mission trips are the people that are most connected to other people. 100% of our missionaries are always people that are attending and a part of neighborhood groups. Why? Because they experience the compassion of Christ and they extend that compassion of Christ. So plan now that you would be a part of a neighborhood group and then next summer... I will call you to action, and might we go share and show the love of Jesus Christ, not only to each other, but to the world around us. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. Let me pray for us, and then as you leave today, if you want to hang out uh, after service, um, we're going to have some baptisms over um, right between Elevate and the movie theater. And uh, we got a few of you guys that are getting baptized, kind of a spontaneous baptism, but we've got some family that have come all the way to celebrate some uh, new life and what God's been doing in the life of our church, so we're excited about that. But I want to encourage you to leave here today with a commitment to me that you're going to step forward and to live a life of compassion with action. Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your compassionate, shepherding heart to love us and to lead us and to give us a model to demonstrate that compassion to the world around us. We celebrate you, the power of Christ resting in us. We walk out refreshed, renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, ready to receive all that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You get. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.